0: As I age, I find my stories become richer, sort of like mold improves a fine blue cheese. I am more and more convinced that the events in life become truth when somebody commits them to writing. Someone else may remember a different truth, but unless they put it on a page, web, or paper, my truth takes life and becomes the truth. Here then are the truths of my life. Whether actually or geriatrically advanced, this is the way things really happened. This podcast invites you to pull up a chair and see things through my tinted eyes. While I have occasionally given myself a bit of authorial leeway, I have told the truth. Mostly. I call this Tiny Tot King, Safety Patrol, and the Mystery Rainbow. Life is theater, and from the time I was Tiny Tot King, I knew I was meant for bigger things. I don't remember who sponsored Fort Mill's Tiny Tot King and Queen pageant. The local mothers stood in line to get their kids involved. All said and done, a seven-year-old me emerged into the spotlight with white shirt, bow tie, shine shoes, and a Paul McCartney sad-eyed sort of smile. At the end of the evening, I stood flanked by my tiny tot queen, Diane Dobbins, and wearing my glitter-covered cardboard crown. There was no looking back. This was my time as a beauty king a marker event in any seven-year-old's life, my prize was a tiny gold ring. I don't remember the picture being taken, but I don't look suitably overjoyed. Elementary school holds two deep heart memories for me. The Fort Mill Elementary School principal was Lee Carruthers. When I knew him, Mr. Carruthers was a balding man with a quick smile and a middle-aged punch. He bore a striking resemblance to Winston Churchill, who also occupies a shelf in my pantheon of role models. Before I knew him, however, Lee Carruthers had been a member of a Boy Scout troop that had walked the 180 miles each way from Fort Mill to Chimney Rock, and later a scoutmaster of that troop. He was a World War II veteran whom my father admired. Dad said Lee Carruthers was the best pistol shot he'd ever seen. Later, when Lee Carruthers passed away, dad proposed that the elementary school be named in his honor, and it was. In an effort to help my daughter Kate understand my past, I felt she needed to walk for a few minutes in the places I had walked. We'd walk through the cemetery as I pointed out this or that relative, and we'd walk fields where we found stone artifacts from the Catawba tribe and even earlier inhabitants of the land. She was five when I saw the headline in the Fort Mill Times, Carruthers School scheduled for demolition. My old elementary school had long outlived its usefulness, and attempts to find an alternative use had failed. Soon the site would provide much needed parking for the First Baptist Church. Kate and I had walked past the school many times, but had never ventured inside the low fence. I decided that the next afternoon's walk would take us inside. The remains of the school were depressing. Most of the red exterior bricks were already beginning their return to dust, and a fine red powder stained the ground around the walls. Every pane of glass had been broken, as though by the spirits of truant children. The doors were no longer chained, and everything of possible value had been removed or stolen long before. The hallway we entered was dusty enough that the most amateur sleuth could have tracked us. We were careful of the glass on the floor and the tiles that here and there hung down from the ceiling. I told Kate about Ms. Drakeford's first grade class and about my dressing for the title role in the second grade play, Belling the Cat, and as Rudolph in the fourth grade Christmas play. We looked into the tiny library where Dad would sometimes come after school to read some of his favorite childhood stories to me. Once I was interested in a book, he would check it out for me to read on my own. Tom Sawyer and Rivals of the Purple Sage are two that have stuck with me. Before I could tell Kate about the joys of stomping milk cartons, or learning my first really bad word from a worldly eight-year-old first grader, I saw the office door, and remembered why the elementary school called me back. A little harp music here, it's a flashback. We were important fourth graders, top guns in an elementary school hierarchy. We were the safety patrol. Our badges gleamed silver on our scrawny chest, and the white Sam Brown belts gave us a jaunty air of authority. There was a morning shift and an afternoon shift, with a lieutenant in control of each. I was chosen captain and proudly worked both shifts. I remember the lieutenants were Charles Hancock and Donnie Shaw. The corner of Monroe White and Confederate Street was our turf. We were there every morning, rain or shine, heat or cold, waiting for the first student to cross over onto school property. And we were there when the last detainee straggled his way toward home after staying in for some minor offense. The afternoon was a time I loved. Stowing the rain gear and belts away beside the school auditorium, we would walk down the hall and talk quietly of baseball or playground events until we reached the office door. At that point, we would slow our pace and raise our voices just enough to be heard inside the principal's office. Lee Carruthers would often be seated at his roll-top desk, looking like a medieval monk, complete with tonsure. There were principals in our future whose very name struck fear into our souls, but Lee Carruthers was not a man who ruled by fear. I can't read A Visit from St. Nicholas without casting him as the title character. His eyes sparkled with a mischief rarely seen in adults, and his curiosity was as boundless as his patience with our playground insurrections. No inner sanctum separated Lee Carruthers from the everyday life of the school that would one day bear his name. He sat in full view of anyone passing his open door. Some days he would remain hunched over his desk and would not acknowledge our passing. We never interrupted him. The man at work carried an air of importance. The best times were the ones when our slow walks paid off. Mr. Carruthers would look up from his desk and smile as though we were a welcome relief from paperwork. Come here a minute, he'd say. There was a perpetual tone of wonder in his voice, one that Newton must have had when contemplating the apple. An invitation into that office was a summons to a mystery. Lee Carruthers seemed never to understand why anything worked and always had to ask us for an explanation. Why, he asked. When he opened his desk drawer quickly, did a piece of paper on top slip towards the drawer? Why did the little black and white flags inside the light bulb-like thing spin around when he placed it in the sun? Once he produced a small glass triangle from his desk and held it up for our inspection. He called it a prism and gently corrected me when I repeated prism. The strangest thing happens, he began, and we waited for the magic we knew was coming. When I put this on my desk, nothing happens. But when I put it in the window, a rainbow appears on the wall across the room. Our curiosity was palpable. Again and again, he would place the prism in the window and always the rainbow would appear. Stand over there, Mike, he said, and maybe you can see it better. As I moved across the room, a flash of light dazzled my eyes and in the same moment, the solution came to me. It's the sun, I exclaimed triumphantly. The light goes through this prism and makes a rainbow. (laughs) Well, I'll be, Mr. Carruthers said, his curiosity satisfied. That must be it. The prism must divide the sun's light into the rainbow colors. He was perpetually puzzled over some such mystery. Yet somehow, after he asked a few questions, we would figure it out to his satisfaction. We would leave shoulders straighter, proud of having solved another problem for him we didn't suspect that he had ulterior motives. It was years later that I realized what the man was up to. He wanted to give us an education greater than anything in our math or reading books. He wanted to light the fires of curiosity and reason in our young minds. I saved the memory of his technique, and I believe I used it as a model for my teaching career. I told Kate the story as we walked down the empty hallway. She peeked into the ruined library where I had learned to love books, and she touched the walls as if trying to grasp the memories we shared. When we came to the office entrance, Kate squeezed my hand. We walked very slowly past the door.